Welcome aboard, and on this week's episode, we delve into Pokemon Snap. We discuss indies versus AAA titles and a PlayStation Discord partnership. This is Triple XP. Triple XP. Welcome to episode 29. I'm Shane and this is Mike. Hello. And this week we're joined by Sarah, or some of you some of you know her, Sarah for the wine. Hello. Welcome back, Sarah. Thank you. It's been a long time. I know, seriously. Like a really long time. <laughs> it's been ages. Yeah, I was wondering if you guys even liked me anymore. No, but the, the, no, no, nobody else would do it, so welcome I, back. Yeah, I'm, I'm also my own last choice, so I get it. <laughs> Well, I mean, what happened was I got really bad at writing down a schedule, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I haven't. It's hectic. Like, yeah, life's hectic. I haven't managed yeah. to catch up yet. So that, and then, yeah, bad times. But you're here now, and that's what matters. Exactly. So how have you been since we last saw you, which was probably months ago? Yeah, I, I want to say it was like before the new year. Uh, good. I actually been playing a lot of games on my own time i haven't been streaming pretty much at all i've been more focused on exercising because you know jb's my boyfriend and that's all he does and so that's all i do now (laughs) gotta find a hobby that works yeah (laughs) mine and ellie's is is just eating chocolate (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just uh i i found it more motivating to wake up and work out instead of wake up to play games but I still wake up early, play an hour of games while I drink my coffee, and then I work out, and then continue to play games while I work. So <laughs> it's just now I just play games all day instead oh, of yeah. just the morning. Nice. Why don't you Why don't you get one of those um, like exercise bikes that has a TV on it, so you can just yeah. play games while you work out? So we actually do have one of those. It just came in the mail two weeks ago. We have the Velocor one, the one that goes like left and right. I mean, I have no idea what what you just said, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do have one, but I can't play games on those. Well, actually, that's not true. I guess I could. We are getting a new rowing machine in sometime soon, and that's got games on it. I mean, people can play games on their, like, Tesla cars, so I'm pretty sure you can figure out how to play games on it. I'll um, I'll give you a a run for your money on on track and field. (laughs) (laughs) No, he would not. <laughs> I'm talking about the game, not not. Like I don't even use... think that you'd give her a run for money on. You, you use a rowing machine, and I'll just use a lighter and just wrap the buttons. Because that was the hack back in the day. Didn't track and field though have a lot of like tapping really far? Yeah, yeah. But if you were just a cheating bastard like me, you'd just get like a like a cigarette lighter and just wrap it across the buttons really fast, so you wouldn't hurt your fingers, and you'd go like just break world records like instantly well, there you have it mike's a cheater but now <laughs> yeah. we all know well i yeah. think winning is winning so winning's winning <laughs> that is true that is true <laughs> well on the note of what uh, of uh, you've been playing some games what have you been playing me uh, yeah yeah let's well start so with you 
So the, so most recently, I picked up Disco Elysium. Um, I was just talking about how I tried to stream it, but there it's just all text-based. And either I'm paying attention to chat or I'm paying attention to the game and I wasn't getting a full experience for either. So just on a whim, downloaded it again and started playing it. And I'm so, so into it. So I've been playing that mostly. And then once in a while I get a play. I don't know how to pronounce this game correctly, but it's called Dwarf Romantique. It's like a, a, a puzzle game, but you're building cities and stuff. And it's just really mindless and relaxing. Because, you know, for me, puzzle games are relaxing. <laughs> so, right, nerd. I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I like that nerd puzzle shit. <laughs> Yeah, those I've been playing those. I'm really enjoying Disco Elysium. Um, I'd put Disco Elysium called... down as your like perfect game, Sarah. Would I put it down as my perfect game? No, I, I'm saying I, I would put it down as like your your ideal game. It's got like yeah, yeah. Like, it's got it's just like reading and puzzles and story and character and crime and sadness and depression. It's exactly <laughs> my type of game. <laughs> Have you so it's got because it's got voice apps now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because I've so I recently purchased the PS5, oh whatever edition it is, the the version that came out on PS4. I don't know what it's called. Um, and the voice acting in it is so well done. It's so so good, and it brings it brings that game to just another level. And like I still read the text, but it's just so so fun to hear everyone. But it's like, so for me, and I obviously I, I didn't play it prior. Uh, I didn't play it pre-voice um, acting. But like when I read the text now, I read it in the voice that I have heard the voice actors give it in. With the, yeah. with the exception of those characters that obviously don't ever get voices. But all the ones that have had a voice, it's now given me that voice in my head of how to read it in their voice and their accent. Yep, yep. And it's, it's really fun. Like I said, sometimes, well, most of the time I'll work and play so if i can't if i have to listen to some stupid meeting and i read the text i do exactly what you do i i read it in that voice now and it's it's just another experience so for anyone who works with sarah none of the meetings are stupid um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all really important we promise <laughs> no, stupid meeting um uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, are you quite far through? Because uh, I, I know I'm not particularly far through at all. I'm on, like, I've literally only just got to the first night. Um, I I honestly don't know. I I think I'm I'm on Wednesday. You start on Monday. I'm on Wednesday. And I, I don't know how much longer it is. I know I was looking through some reviews, and some people have, like, hundreds of hours on it. Some have, like, 20. And I, I honestly have no idea how long this game is. No, me neither. Interesting. Yeah. And it is depressive and dark <laughs> and weird. It's it's great. It's great. I just, when I first played it, I went like the the empath route, but this time I'm going as like the logical person. And it's just so funny to watch him just fail miserably at trying to understand people. <laughs> it's so great. So I've gone for the, um, of the character builds, the one, I don't know which one it is, but it's the one that, um says he's potentially going insane nice yeah um just because i thought that'd be funny um but also i i enjoy how at times it's 
weirdly dark and sexual, but in an uncomfortable way. <laughs> yeah, there's. I don't want to spoil anything, but you meet a person and you have some options to like be a cop or like experiment with your other side. And you're like, mm, should I fix my tie or should I whisper in his ear? And you're like, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> should i touch a dead guy's <laughs> penis like there's there's so many options available in that game i know yeah if i if i feel like i'm about to have i always quick save before any conversation starts just because i have a tendency to want to know what the i know what a bad answer might be and i always quick save before a conversation so i can make those bad choices and go back if i have to i try not to do that as much but like, should I touch the penis? You never know when that's going to come up. So I'm always like, okay, save. Yes, touch the penis. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I agree. You never know when that's going to come up in a game. Um, or or in real life. Or in real life. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I just don't quick save. I'm like, oh, should I touch the penis? Fuck it. Like, let's, just see, <laughs> let's just see where this train takes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's it. so good. So good. Yes, it's a it's a strange one, is that? And um, on the note of puzzle games, she was saying that you like puzzle games. I actually re-downloaded a puzzle game that I absolutely adored um, years ago. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called Puzzle Agent. Puzzle like a, Agent? No. Yeah, it's a telltale game. Sounds like a puzzle game. <laughs> um, it, it literally is like a guy who goes to a town to solve a murder, but everything he has to do is a puzzle. Like every single thing that he comes across is a puzzle he has to solve. It's just like, hundreds um, and hundreds of puzzles. It's like DS one, like Professor Layton. Like, like that. that, yeah. Um, but not. <laughs> so it's, a second game I have to go buy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you can probably pick it up quite cheap to be fair on Steam, because um, it tells how obviously doesn't exist anymore. Right. But yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Cause it's a great little puzzle game. Add it to the list. Awesome. <laughs> Yep, as the list. <laughs> as is that backlog. <laughs> the, actually, the backlog is thinning out because I just keep playing during work. <laughs> <laughs> wow, someone that's actually beating the backlog. Yeah. <laughs> I've just given um, up. I'm like, fuck it. I'll buy all the games. I don't care. I have the biggest backlog. <laughs> I don't have a backlog anymore. It's just, it's just a, it's a buffet of games. <laughs> it's a buffet. <laughs> Just help myself when I need to. Um, well, on a note of, and Mike, we'll leave yours for last because you've got the two biggest titles to talk about today. Sure. Um, but on the note of playing, not during work, I, I only play on my lunch breaks because I am, I can't afford. Unfortunately, I'm always on camera to uh, to play during work. I'll definitely get caught out. Because Shane's a, um, a cam girl. A what? Cam girl. Cam girl. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a cam girl. But, the secret, the um, secret's like, out. Only games. <laughs> this, um, this is not the games I want to talk about today, but it did just made me think of this. On my lunch breaks, I so in our home office, I've got an old um, CRT TV screen set up with two of the old light guns, like the G-Cons. Um, so I now spend pretty much all of my lunch breaks at, uh, well as i work from home um 40, 40 well for that 40 minutes a day playing time crisis one two or three depending on my mood that day 
That's all I do on my lunch break. Now. Very sweet lunch break. I'm so jealous. Time Crisis is my shit. Yeah, it's it's great. I just it's such a. I found that like it's such a stress killer. Just shooting random multicolored bad guys <laughs> on a extremely old looking game. It just kills stress and it's super fun. And I forgot how great free is because you get shotguns and grenade launchers. <laughs> so how does Time Crisis work at home? I think I've only played them in arcades. So you back uh, back in like the late 90s and early 2000s, you could buy the light guns that they used in the arcades. Oh, so you, I have those. Yeah, you've got the G-Con 45 is one of the ones I've got, which is the old grey one. And that's yeah. the one that looks exactly like the ones in the arcades. And then they brought out the G-Con... I want to say it was called the G-Con 2, which is the blue one. There was a couple of other guns that came out as well, but they were the, like, the two main ones. Um, and the, the, sec the blue G-Con came out with the PlayStation 2, and that one actually came out with... It was either time I think it was Time Crisis 2 when that, get that gun came out. Yeah, I um, think 1 was on. Time Crisis 1 was on. Uh, the yeah, PlayStation PS1, 1, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, and that was with the G-Con 1, and the, or the G-Con 45, sorry. And then um, PS2 was... Time Crisis 2 and 3, but with the G-Con 2. So I've got them both set up so I can dual wield or do split-screen co-op. The only thing is, at home, you have to... And there's probably someone who's listening to this who knows better than me, but my understanding is you have to use old-school CRT TVs because of the way the light bounces off the glass screen. That's how the, they work. You can't yeah. use like new plasma TVs, for example, because it doesn't pick up the light properly. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So, yeah, I've got that set up. Sarah, this could be a, a new project after the uh, the cat patio. Oh, well, yeah, this is something <laughs> I could build. <laughs> well, well, I was uh... quite lucky in that I um, already had the games when my other half moved in. Um, and she moved in years ago now. But when she moved in, I already had the games. I already had the PlayStation 2. And she's a bit of a sentimentalist and doesn't like throwing anything away and she bought with her her crt tv from when she was a child no way oh, so wow. it was a proper that was, that was like, meant to be yeah built-in okay, dvd yeah. player with little pig stickers on it and i was just like what are we doing with that then should i just put it in the loft nope i am putting that in the spare room i love it <laughs> that's yeah that's that's a sign right there Exactly. So, yeah, that's all set up and ready to go. But that's not, although I've been playing that on my lunch, that's not what I'm about. That's not what I've, played, what I've been playing this week. Uh, what I have been playing is, um, firstly, my time at Porsche. I know you spoke about this previously, Mike. Yeah, I've, I played a good good chunk of this game. I got really hooked on it. Yeah, I, yeah. I hate it. I love that game. Mm. But it went on sale recently for like three quid, though, and I knew that obviously you guys had spoken about how great it was so i finally thought oh, fuck it three quid i'll pick it up um and yeah it's great isn't it it's it's, it's like 3d uh what's the the other the farming one uh, uh, my brain's gone start stardew valley yeah. so on, yeah. we were yeah. all like uh. <laughs> we, um, we run a gaming podcast and that's like one of the biggest <laughs> games in recent we times we're all like uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, it reminds me of like a 3D version of that, but obviously with slightly less farming, or at least right now there's less farming in what I'm doing. Um, but like the way that the game works very much reminds me a lot of that. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of yeah. like resource gathering and and getting to know people and stuff like that. Yeah, and even the way, even the, like the mining, which I really enjoy. I spend a lot of times in the ruins. Um, but I mean, I've not played much. I'm only on like I think I'm only like nine or ten days in. Mm. I'm still doing like the first big commission for the bridge. Um, but I've just it's just a really chill game. I've been chilling too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and then you start to you start to optimize your 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 building and resource gathering, and you just keep improving upon it, and it's just the it, and then it, you, gets, it gets better. Yeah. Just yeah, keep optimizing, improving, and then you bring communism to the town, and then the next thing you're a leader. Exactly. Works, isn't it? Exactly. And um, and it's a cute little game with also a great story. Yeah, the story's pretty good. I don't think I actually yeah. finished it at the end, but um, this game for me was, um, wasn't was a chill-out game. It was a stressful time because me and Ellie were playing it alongside each other. And when we play alongside each other, it just turns into a competition. And it was more, it was like a race of just like, oh, who can get to the end first? And then we just eventually just <laughs> play, we were just playing it every night. And then we just both burnt out on it and didn't, didn't get to the end. So, So that one was a draw for us, but... Yeah, it wasn't a chill, well, relaxed time. It was always like, how did you get that? <laughs> why, why are you there? Like, how did you get there? What's this? Well, luck luckily, I'm not racing anyone, so I've very much taken my time with it. Yeah, are it's you, probably the best Are you playing it on the Switch? Yes. So the, the Switch, I don't think they're doing any updates to it. It does get buggy, and it will crash on you, so I would recommend saving often. Yeah, I've noticed that already. I do save quite often, especially when you're in the mines. Like yeah. after so many hits, it will suddenly it won't crash, but there would definitely be a bit of a stutter. Yeah. Um. So I had a feeling there's uh some technical limitations there, but for yeah. for what for what it is, it's it's not technical enough to annoy me. So yeah, it was like it would crash on me every three days, and I'd be like, oh cool, that's fine, and then I would continue. <laughs> it was, it <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fun. Like just becomes part of the game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, day three. <laughs> Grass is coming. <laughs> Better save. The, exactly. the, I mean, the thing is, with like when it comes to crashes now, I have a standard, and that is, is it worse than my Skyrim crash? And if it's not worse than that, then I can deal with it. <laughs> and for reference, the Skyrim crash I had, which I know is was very... Um, this is going to hurt me internally when you say this. <laughs> no, I know it happened a lot at the time, because I had Skyrim on... It was on PS3, wasn't it? I had it on the PS3. And and, and PlayStation was notorious for having more bugs yeah. anyway. Um, and I got the crash where every time a dragon would appear, the game would completely crash and freeze, and then you wouldn't be able to do anything. And I was at a point where basically I loaded in, I left the town, and instantly, every single time, without fail, a dragon would instantly appear and crash the game. You couldn't play for longer than about four minutes before oh the game God. crashed. Um, oh, and the no. only way around that was to completely delete your save, save and start again, which I wasn't prepared to do. So <laughs> I never finished the game. I uh, hate it now. I have problems with it. But that's my, my bar for crashing now is, is it worse than that <laughs> crash? That's it pretty fucking bad. Yeah, that's a bad Yeah, one. it made the game completely unplayable. And PS3 was notoriously bad for Skyrim, unfortunately, when it came to crashes when it first came out. Um, so, obviously, it's better now, but... So, we've reached the real reason why you hate Skyrim so much. I mean, that <laughs> and the, gra the Graham Brown, obviously. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Um, 
But I almost uh... bought it on the Switch. <laughs> I did again. Like I knew I was you so were close. gonna. I was so Surprise, close. Knew it. Every time it's on sale, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I need to buy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the main sort of new game we've been playing. Obviously, I deleted, as I said to you last week, I deleted Destiny um, because oh, it makes me upset and depressed with life. Mm-hmm. So I've been that off, and I've replaced my. Um, multiplayer sort of like group friend gaming with Battlefield 5 because it's going on PlayStation Plus next month and I already have it so I reinstalled that to start getting back into it getting ahead of the curve yeah when a, well I mean let's be honest I'm never going to be the head of any ahead of any curve <laughs> um, but just get back to the feel of it before it gets flooded with hopefully brand new players who don't know what they're doing that I can just then kill and get better at the game myself um, or just die which is more likely. Hmm. And I've also been running our friend Matt through Monster Hunter World because um, he's never played it before. Oh, nice, nice. I yeah, too so... have been um, introducing someone to Monster Hunter and I think this is the way forward to get more people playing Monster Hunter is just, just pick one person and then just get them to play. Show them the yeah. ropes and then they're hooked and then they're in. Yeah, and uh, we, we're having a great time. My save, my old Monster Hunter World save, deleted for some reason and i can't get it back i don't know what happened to it so i've had to start again anyway that's a lot Um, (laughs) that was for me if that happened it's like 500 plus (laughs) it it, it is a lot but you know what because i'm like taking matt through the game it doesn't feel that bad because i'm i'm at the same level as him so i'm just working through it with him which and it feels almost more pleasant working through at his level instead of like being miles ahead of him um but yeah, I mean, I've just been dabbing in those really, so not much to say on that. I just, I'm so happy. Like, even though I'm bad at Battlefield Five, Friday night I was up to like one a.m., two a.m. playing game, um, as I always do on a Friday. And normally I finish playing Destiny, and I fucking hate myself, and I feel <laughs> depressed, and I just never want to play games again because Destiny does that to me. And for the first time in months. After even after doing really badly in Battlefield Five, I went to bed going, I enjoyed that. That was fine. I'm happy. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, that's proud that's the way forward. For something that's proud of you for dropping something that's making you unhappy. That's hard. <laughs> it, it, it is, especially Destiny is addictive as fuck. Yeah. But but um, it's alright. I'll just I'll just get killed in Battlefield Five instead. And just replaced it with something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the hate is less, and that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> right, right. A battlefield games can... are, are never like too serious either. Like it's always just fun. The thing with battlefield, and I was discussing this with a few of my friends this during the week, is you can't always you can't necessarily get too angry when you die in battlefield because it is just fucking chaos. Yeah. Like sometimes you, you it's just you're you're unlucky to just be in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. and just get like a fucking plane drops on you or something or the building explodes like. You can't always dictate the way the game plays out. And you could be the best player and still get absolutely destroyed by some really fucking random thing happening on the map that you yeah. just could not anticipate. I think, like, um, as well, there's, the only real challenge in there is, is kind of, like, the challenges you set yourself in the game, yeah. in the match or whatever. Like, you'll say, like, this match I'm just going to drive a tank and then the next match I'm just going to be, like, a sniper. And you just kind of play, like, your own little separate game. Yeah, definitely. Within and within the whole context of like the massive battle, I love Battlefield. 
<laughs> so do I, and I'm so happy it's going on to P- uh, PlayStation Plus because that will really like boost it up as well. Mm. But um, the the uh, the only thing I never understand with Battlefield is how is people's vision so good? Jesus, I wear glasses <laughs> and I still can't see shit. It's a lot of well. away, and I'm like, I can't even see. Like I'm getting shot by this tiny, tiny, tiny little, slightly dark green dot in the woods. Just, just five still have like the little Dorito above your head, like four did. Where you, you know, where you spot someone with like uh, the, the spot button. I don't, I, mm, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, because that you'd literally like spot someone fucking ten miles away. You'd see the Dorito. You'd aim at the Dorito. You'd get a kill. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah, I don't know if it does that. It might do. But I don't know. But I played a game earlier and it was just like, oh, I just got killed by some mud. Oh, no, wait, there is a man in that mud. Yeah, yeah. I just can't see him. <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger, just like. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's me for this week. Not really much much to talk about. But um, if you haven't played my time at Porsche, you, you should because it's cheap and it's cool and I'm enjoying it a lot. But now yep, for the... I agree. The big ones this week, because I really want to hear what you've got to say about both of your games this week. Same. Um, yeah, I'm going to start with Pokemon Snap, the new Pokemon Snap, um, which I was sort of a bit on the fence with at first. And then once I realized I was getting it through, shout out to the boys at Boomerang, um, I was getting it through rental. I was like, yeah, I'm so excited for this. Got it in, started playing, played for about an hour. And I was like, oh my God, this is just like childhood like, I remember all of this and like the nostalgia hit was like unreal. It was so good. And then it's like the first hour, like it dwindles for me personally. Like, I think it's just because I'm older and Pokemon's just like not as, um, not as like interesting to me anymore. So, um, yeah. What, what, what were you guys like on this game? Were you excited for it or? Sarah, after you. Yeah. So I, when they, when they announced that they were coming out with it, I was super, super excited. And then it came out and I told you, I told JB that I was going to go to the store to go get it. And then when I looked it up and saw the price and was like, Hey, you know what? I don't think it's that worth it. And then looked at reviews and just saw some screenshots and was like, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was, yeah. I went from a hundred to zero basically. I think it was this morning. JB was like, "Oh my god, you didn't get Snap," and I was like, "Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just don't feel like it." Mm. Yeah, it's a bit like that for me. Like once I started playing it, it was like, "Yeah, this is good," and it is like, don't get me wrong, it's a solid game. It is like really good gameplay wise and everything. It's it's kind of all the same as what it used to be, and it's a solid game. It's just really riding on this nostalgia um one one thing about like the gameplay specifically is the controls are not like amazing they're not great i, I found them really sort of janky especially the motion controls because you think like okay i'll use it i'll use my switch handheld like a camera and you'll you know look around and it it's sort of fluid but then you end up just missing shots because you just like swing too wide or if you use the thumbsticks at the same time you'll like either slow your turn or speed your turn up and it's just a lot to get to get used to especially if you're not used to using motion controls like i tend to not use them to tend to turn them off um especially for like aiming and shooting and things i tend to have them just switched off yeah i i heard from some review that 
playing it on like the handheld it just it just doesn't work and it's better to play it on a screen or something yeah i mean that's kind of why i was excited was like oh it'd be like holding an actual camera and like you'll press like the trigger buttons and that'll be like your shutter but it's not it's like the shutter's automatically set to a so i had to like switch the controls around and stuff like that (laughs) molly um excuse me (laughs) molly because it's like it's like a full-on tornado outside at the moment yeah the weather's been ridiculous the weather over here right now the weather's been ridiculous recently it's Uh, gonna be all right molly (laughs) but yeah get Getting back to Pokemon. Um, speaking of small, uh, small annoying creatures. <laughs> there so is... I've, I've got a couple of questions for oh, you before you continue with what you're on. Because I, unlike Sarah, I never started at 100. I think I started at about 20 uh, yeah. when I had this announcement and I've worked to like minus 10 now. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I had very little interest in this when it was announced. Um, I'm not a huge... I was never a huge fan of the original, personally. I found the the whole idea of it a, a little bit mundane, and um, and like, oh my, uh, my garden gate just blew down. Um, <laughs> a little bit mundane, and yeah, not quite interesting. But I mean, if anybody has listened to this podcast before, you'll know that a we love Pokemon. We speak about it all the time, and I think it's a beautiful looking game, but. That from everything I've read and everything I've seen, this just highlights the same thing I've been saying week in, week out about Pokemon. A game that is literally about small creatures evolving into more powerful, better creatures, and yet over the f- however many years it's been going, it hasn't managed to evolve into something better than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I find it absolutely mental that like they've they've like you said it's this is the same pokemon snap just with a facelift and mm, essentially yeah they've not managed to like you say you've got so many so much new technology at their fingertips so many new ideas that have been coming around for the last 25 35 years have long pokemon's been out and yet they haven't taken that on board and changed and yeah. adapted but this um, is this is kind of my point is that like this Pokemon game is is not for us who are like old school kind of fans and we want it to grow and develop and change. This is more for for like diehard fans that are just sort of like, I love Pokemon, I love the world, I want to explore it, I, you know, I want to take pictures of, of these little creatures or whatever. But so like, this is for Ryan. We yeah, basically, <laughs> we just I think like there's certain types of Pokemon fans we just don't fit the, fit the bill for this game. I don't think. Um. Yeah, I I thought I was a diehard fan because when I, I don't know I I guess I agree with you Shane because I guess when you think about all the older Pokemon games up until up until a couple of years ago they were still pretty difficult but instead of evolving they kind of devolved into this this easy easy game with the same concept from back then whereas back then it was fun because it was challenging. Mm-hmm. It was challenging for when you were like. 12 and playing it as a, like a you know 10 11 12 year old yeah but like when like even now when i go back because i once in a while i'll play blue blue is my favorite one and you still you still have to pay attention to your grind and make sure that you know what gym you're going to and plan accordingly and there is more thought that goes on to it whereas like 
as long as you you don't even have to train your party anymore you just everyone levels up all together every time no matter what yeah and there's just there's just no difficulty at all it's like they've made too many quality of life changes and made it just too far too easy right yeah and also just bouncing off something you said earlier sarah as well it's now um it's better in tv mode than in handheld mode now i mean correct me if you think differently but to me the switch is like a a 60 40 console or a 70 30 with that higher number being the handheld mode as in i i use my switch more in handheld mode and i'm more likely to use it in handheld mode than i ever am in in like screen big screen mode yeah i i rarely play my switch on the screen i mean (laughs) going back to playing while i work if i'm working i'll attach it to my screen that i use for playing games but other than that, for the most part, I'm I'm playing it handheld. The only other game that I don't play handheld is that that drum game. Yeah, but my my point on that is that so if you're a developer who's making a game for all all across across all three consoles, let uh, I don't know, let's just say Bethesda because we spoke about them already. You're making a game that's going to go across all the consoles. Then it would make sense that you're making a game that is more likely going to operate better in TV mode than in handheld mode. But if you're a company that solely operates to work with Nintendo and your entire repertoire is that of handheld gaming, yeah. how the fuck do you make a game that works better in TV mode than handheld mode? That's true. I Like, like Mike said, it would have made more sense to try to make it more like you're holding a camera. Yes. It's just, uh, I had a lot of expectations for this game and it's just not quite hit them. It wasn't the, the nostalgia hit that I, I wanted. I know a lot of people have like, the nostalgia's great, you know, it's just like the old game. And I just kind of wanted a bit more, I think. Like this, yeah, I, I think... Sorry, like there's, there's definitely more more features and stuff in, in Snap, in the new Snap now. Um, but there's also like a weird sort of progression system that just feels like a grind. Like you have to keep going over the same levels over and over again and then level up on that level and it just feels like you're just retreading and stuff like the same ground although when you do level up in that area that you go to um you'll see different things and different pokemon will pop up and they'll get sort of more used to you so they'll do different things and stuff as you as you level up but it's just a grind and it just feels like not as fun as what the original one was where it was like you go to this area you'll take some pictures then you unlock the next area and then you'll keep going you know it's just a straightforward progression right whereas there's th- this one there's a lot of a lot of retreading it doesn't feel great is that, is that not the big problem with nostalgia though is that nostalgia is that rose tinted glasses like you, you yeah, will yeah. always remember nostalgia you'll always have like a nostalgia for things and remember them better than they were and if you were to have if you were to be the man you are now, but 20 years ago playing the original Pokemon Snap, would you have had the same views you have about the current Pokemon Snap back then? But because you're remembering it as, like you say, as a 12-year-old. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, back then, I didn't care about controls and, and like, um, you know, gameplay mechanics and things like that. It was just Pokemon. I was in the world of Pokemon. And I loved it. But, like, now that's no longer enough for me. It's like mm. a... Um, like I'm, I'm definitely the wrong person to review this game because I think it's for people who are fans of Pokemon, and if you're not a fan of Pokemon, then 
there's not much here for you. Um, like the gameplay is not... not good enough to warrant sixty dollars or whatever it is. But then I I disagree with your comment there because I don't think you are not the wrong person. I think you're actually the the right person to review this game simply because you are a Pokemon fan, but you are more representative of the average ga- gamer who has played Pokemon in their life and not a diehard fan. Because mm. most diehard fans are going to come away from this going, this is amazing, it's rewrote Pokemon, I've got so much faith in Pokemon again. And then the people like me, you and Sarah are going to go out and buy it and go, what are you talking about? It's not that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, you're giving a view from a from somebody who has grown up with and loves Pokemon and actually wants a really good, solid Pokemon game but are finding that what we're getting is not that and it's actually now not in the realms of what we want to play in our life yeah. and at our age. Yeah, I think I think the last like three Pokemon games I've been pretty disappointed and that's why I was like, I'm gonna wait to think about Snap. Yeah. yeah I haven't I've have not enjoyed Pokemon since uh Y. That's what I mean. Is it kind of like, are we Pokemon fans anymore? Like, have we, yeah. we stopped being fans? Are we too old right now? I don't know. But that said, the game is solid if you're into it. Um, it's stress-free, fun, chill time. But, you know, uh, cu- it's Pokemon. So. Cu- curiously, just before you do move on, because I know you want to, um, have, you, have your kids played it? Or have, I'm just uh, curious if they've enjoyed it or not. No, no, no. They're not. They're not super into Pokemon, so. Oh, um, fair enough. Yeah, so they're just not. They're not that into Pokemon. No, that's, so. that's fair. I just, I just <laughs> wanted to ask because if they, just in, just out of curiosity. I think that that's that's possibly the next test before I give a review score is is how do the kids find it? You know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do because again though with, although I know the Pokemon cartoons are still out, I don't know if pokemon is quite as big as it used to be when we were kids it's particularly in the uk with yeah, kids I'm not, I'm these sure. days is it I'm sure there's some is fans it on the there. main no i'm sure there are fans but like i mean you're very close to me in age aren't you and we would wake up with saturday morning tv and pokemon was like one of the key shows that was on every yeah. saturday morning so it was like it was in your face straight like, you, straight you after the paper around that bad boy Exactly. Whereas now, is it more show that you have to kind of seek out on a specific channel at a specific time, as opposed to it being shoved in your face by Ant and Deck and Cat Daily every week? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can't answer that question because it's not around anymore, or because I don't care anymore. Yeah, that's reasonable as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's reasonable. But anyway, I'll let you move on now. I know you want to stop talking about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, we'd be here all night otherwise. Uh, so the next game I've been playing is Fire Emblem, the Three Houses, which I've been absolutely fucking in love with. This is the second time I've rented it. Uh, first time I just, I just wasn't in an RPG mood. I don't think. Um, yeah, I just didn't get on with it well. So this time I gave it a good shot. Got way past the tutorial. Gave it, <laughs> gave it his first shot, and I, I fucking love it. It's so good. It's so much fun. Isn't it? Yeah. How, how much further than the tutorial did you get? Um, I'm on about twenty hours or so now. Oh, maybe a more. good bit. Yeah, I think if you can get past twenty hours in a game, then then you've got me. I yeah. mean, you say that, Sarah, but 
bearing in mind this is, I think it's potentially a Japanese game. And uh, <laughs> you, if, you were, if you were to compare that to Persona 20 hours, you're pretty sure you're still in tutorial zone. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, you still are in tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, still cool, we got past the tutorial, so Yeah, the, the first tutorial, you know, the buttons, I got past that. <laughs> um, but, like... It, it kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones in a way. Like, let me just start again. Like, it's a strategy RPG with tactics as, like, the main gameplay element, which is what brought me to it and what, what is, like, the main pull for me. But it's the, it's the side bit. It's, like, getting to know the characters and you spend all of your downtime in between battles in, like, a... It's not a school, is it? It's, like, a... It's, it's like a more mo- like a university. It's, it's like a monastery, isn't it? Yeah, which is sort of like a... There's a lot of classes and... and and lessons and things like that and you you start off the game you're just a random mercenary just minding his own business you meet this one night and he's like oh come to this monastery and then you just work there like (laughs) there's no like yeah there's no reason for it you just work there but it's like a military monastery because all the students there are learning to be like battle lieutenants and stuff aren't they yeah like, yeah your, your specific school is there to raise these people to be like good at war essentially. yeah and there's there's three three houses or three schools um and they all represent the three different kingdoms that surround the monastery as like the central sort of monastery um but yeah you you initially start as a professor you just get hired i don't know why <laughs> i've not got that far in the story yet to know why i'm hired um but there's you meet sort of like the head of the houses and they have their all unique personalities. And then you meet the students that are like under them kind of thing. And they all have their own unique personalities. And you're just getting to know like all of these different characters in this downtime. Um, Do you see what I mean when I said last week about how every character feels like handcrafted and like every character has that has a full written storyline to themselves? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely like I, I kind of compared it to like Game of Thrones in the fact mm. that when you're first thrown in you have no fucking idea what's going on who's who why are they here what's this what's this place like you have all these different lords and ladies and shit like that and then you eventually get to know them and you're like holy shit this is this and that's this and you know these these two people are connected in this way and um, it just it just opens up as the more you play like it's, it's, yeah, it's really good character development I really have good. to get this game. You, you yes. do, honestly. And the combat as well, like, it's so well done. It's so clever and, like, intuitive, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like the combat. It's like a um, tile-based strategy almost. Oh, you... I love it already. Mm, Wait, is it, it tile-based? Is... Yeah, it's tile-based. It, well, yeah, it? it is tile-based, yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah, it's definitely tile-based. Yeah. Um, um, I was just trying to think of, like, the, the last battle that I was like, but it was all like curvy and it wasn't like in little square dungeons, but yeah. No, it is tile based. And so as you go through the game, like you build all of the students, as you build up relationships with them, you, they help each other better in battle. So you, if you have a particularly good relationship with two specific characters and you have them like alongside each other when they're out in their, in their tiles in the battle, they'll do like special moves and stuff to support each other. Um, yeah, they'll perform really better if they're with people that they like, which is great mm. for like the all your downtime. You're like building relationships and stuff, and and doing stuff all with all these all these students of yours. Um, so you have you have sort of like different classes and things as well that your students will 
level up and become like a you know a pegasus knight or a, a monk or and they'll have all these different skills and stuff like healing and the usual dark magic light magic um you have a lance which is great i've, I've got so many lances on my team i just like run around on my little horse and just stab people in the face it's great so what uh what house did you go with uh the the blue one um <laughs> the i think they call it the black eagles or something they're called no, the black eagles is red. That's the red the, one. The lion, the lions, isn't it? The blue. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what yellow are. No one likes yellow. Yeah, fuck yellow. No, it's not true. Everyone likes yellow, but <laughs> well, because each each house as well has its own like um... sort of affinity to ones like magic, ones archery, and then the other ones like a uh, soldiers. Yeah, basically, but they've all it? got like their own political personalities as well, haven't they? For each house, so like. The yellow house is very much around like peace and only fighting if you absolutely have to. Like they wanna, they're more around sort of like protecting than yeah. they are around fighting. And then like the black eagles are like, we will fucking destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas the blue are all about like honor and like chivalry. Yeah. And that sort of Basically, like each yeah. house is separately different. Um, Cause I went with red with the black eagles. Um, Mainly for Eldergard and her and Bernadette. Yeah, I'm actually working on Bernadette coming over to to my little school because you can, if you develop a relationship with like a student outside your class, they can you can bring them over to your class basically, like poach them. <laughs> Not gonna lie, if, if someone was to take that clip, that <laughs> really fucking dodgy. <laughs> but that yeah, I like mean, court case. Yeah. <laughs> You can uh, take any clip from anything we ever say. Uh, dodgy. Yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. <laughs> um, speaking of dodgy, I was I was mentioning this game to JB, <laughs> and um, as he's like, I know he's just finished Persona, and the the sort of downtime elements are really similar to Persona Five in the way you like building relationships and doing like little mini games and shit together, and then but it builds like your stats in in the strategy tactics part which is really good i think yeah sarah you're this is your ideal game get this instead of pokemon snap okay no problem <laughs> and this has been out for you to see it i mean it probably won't be but it might be a little bit cheaper no it's a nintendo yeah, game I can, I can probably i'll probably i can probably find a hard copy of it somewhere for cheaper i feel like nintendo like nintendo games go down like devalue better than like brand new cars do yeah <laughs> yeah uh, if anything i've like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's gone up in price <laughs> like it's that's how ridiculous <laughs> nintendo games are i remember when um so i was it i think it was zelda the breath of the wild came out like a year before spider-man did mm. and i traded both my zelda in and my spider-man in at the same time and my zelda was still worth more than spider-man which had only been out so uh, like spider-man had been out for like two months if that and it trade its trade value was like 25 pounds whereas zelda had been out well over a year and its trade value was 36 pounds <laughs> oh, oh yeah absolutely <laughs> and they sell ridiculous. it they sell it for like double that as well yeah, pre-owned yeah, game, sixty pounds. Like sixty pounds, <laughs> and they'll be like, "Well, it's still cheaper than Nintendo's 
full price value. Yeah. Um, what else I'm loving about this game as well is the challenge of it, like the actual gameplay challenge, like seems pretty gradual, like it's quite easy at first, but it seems to be getting harder and harder as I go through. And you also have this sort of spirit guide woman character that's with you. Um, for, it's yet unexplained to me, um, but basically she has the, the ability to like rewind time. So if you lose your battle, you can literally go back like through the steps that you've taken and then just be like, right, okay, I'll start again from here and try things differently. So it, it's it's perfect for me in the fact that it's just a really chill game. Like I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to like, I can literally be cooking tea and playing it at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's, have yeah. You, are you playing, I take it you're not then playing the insta-death no, I, I opted out of that um, just because I just wanted it to be like a relaxing kind of chill time rather than be like permadeath, being more like XCOM basically. I did describe this game to someone um, that it's, it's basically XCOM for weebs and I can't, yeah, I can't so think of a, a, a better description than that. Because I, I, my first playthrough, I played with the permadeath off, and the second playthrough, I played with permadeath on, and it is a, it's an upsetting, because especially if you played it once already, and you start, you genuinely do feel like you get to know these characters that are being built, and then it's so much more upsetting when they die, <laughs> yeah, knowing they're um, never going to come back. I, I was thinking that, like, because one of my characters died, I was like, no, and I was like, oh wait, no, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine, he'll be there, <laughs> he'll be there when I get back. But yeah. yeah, just just imagining it with like the payment death on, I'd be I'd be heartbroken. Sure. Yeah. But then oh, you get I'm you get the rewind feature. I'm assuming in that as well. Maybe I don't know. Uh, in the payment death, yeah, you still everything's the same except. Yeah. Um, if you die in the, the game, you die for dead, real. Yeah, but if, if basically if they're dead at the end of the battle, they're dead. Yeah. Um, and also I don't know. I can't remember if. if in the ver in the non permadeath mode, but you can only rewind like once or twice, isn't it? Like you can't just rewind consistently. No, you get. You I think get. it's like once or twice per battle. Yeah. Yeah. So you can if you if you fuck up once, it's fine. But if you fuck up twice, then you're like then then you're fucked basically. Yeah. Um, so this this permadeath option makes it sound like it's Persona plus Darkest Dungeon. Mm -hmm. mm, sure. Yeah, could be. I like it. <laughs> Just don't um, get too attached. I, I'm playing it easy yeah. mode pretty much with with that that feature on, where my students don't die when I when I fail them. Um, but yeah, I'm look. I'm I mean, actually looking forward to like a second playthrough in like a different house, and you know the the permadeath mode on. Like I'm yeah, and that's this, how this I game's got replay value. That is genuinely how I'd advise anyone to play it. And so I'd say the same to you, like play it without the permadeath first just so that you can experience the story in its fullest and get to really know the characters without losing them quickly because it is also quite challenging it can get the battles can get quite difficult mm. um but and then if you do do a second playthrough that's where you put your permadeath on because then you've got a real feel for the game and the story and you're not gonna be too distraught when yeah, you then, uh, lose then play it again and yeah, watch them all die <laughs> <laughs> no that's not that sounds great. I'm already in. That sounds awesome. She's already on the way to the shop. She's like, fuck yeah, yeah. the rest of this podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off. Bye. But, um, uh, score out of 10. I've got about 20 hours in. Um, it's, it's, I want to give it a 10. Yeah. So f Fire Emblem Three Houses gets a 10. What does Snap get? 
Uh, I put it down as a seven, but maybe it's maybe a six. I don't know, six or seven. Oh, cheeky six. A high six. Mm. <laughs> it's a it's a high six. So there you go. You've heard it. Six. A high, I'm a giving high six for Pokemon. I'm giving uh, Fire Emblem a ten just because it's it sort of rekindled my love for like RPGs, which which is dwindled out. Like I played Final Fantasy again, and and it was just like ah, oh, it's just not, just not quite hitting the mark for me. Um, Do you? now see why i was so excited by project triangle strategy when i saw that come out yeah, yeah. I remember when that was announced because yeah. it's got a similar combat system and the minute i saw that i was like oh my god this is going to be like three houses all over again i need it yeah <laughs> it's that tile-based strategy combat thing as well i've been looking at uh, disgaea as well because that has something a bit similar i've played some just some of the disgaeas but they're the problem with the, in my opinion, with the Disgaeas, are the combat system's really good. Um, well, I say it's really good. It's a bit, it's a bit more comical in it, but it's, it, it's very like slapstick comedy mm. in its storylines, and I just, I find the characters so difficult to care about. Yeah. Um, that I've always struggled with the Disgaea games, but. I am constantly on the lookout for those sort of tile-based combat games because it's just the best. Yeah, those sort more, of strategy games are the best. More tile-based combat, please. <laughs> or if there's some more out there and me and Mike don't know about them, tell us. Oh, like, have you um, have you tried? Tell us. Have you tried Banner Saga? I've heard of it. Yeah, that's another tile-based. Lots of um, story and choices and stuff and consequences. Sarah, you, Sarah, yeah, give. you as well, Shane, you, but you'd love Banner Saga. Okay. They're all good. Add it to the list. <laughs> okay. Sarah, you, you're about to say something as well before we cut you up. Me? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I said, I said, me too, if you know of, of any other tile combat-based yeah. game. Me too. Tell us, <laughs> tell us all. Tell all, us all. all three we of need us. to know. Everybody Come else to... is not nerd puzzle shit games person, so just tell us. <laughs> yeah exactly um right so let's shall we should we move on then now we've had that that horrific blow for pokemon and that outstanding review for fire emblem yeah <laughs> let's do it so uh this week we wanted to talk about indies versus triple a um and this kind of comes off the back of mike having lost his playstation 4 too too young um he is now playing a lot of indies a lot more than he's played before. R.I.P. Linda. Um, we know, just put that on. It's just sad times. <laughs> um, and Sarah, obviously, we know that you dip between both indies and triple A's quite a lot. Um, so we wanted to just kind of touch on that. And uh, this was actually your personal topic of choice, Sarah. So I expect lots of things to talk about from you. <laughs> um, so my first question to both of you is when you're looking for when you're looking at a game and whether it be an indie or a triple a both both sides of it what is it that you're looking for and how does that differ between the two um I'll go first. yeah yeah first? No, uh, go, go on now go on sorry you're the guest <laughs> um <laughs> i think Throw you under so, the bus. so i don't remember i don't remember the last triple a game i played i feel like it might have been persona but it that all that game always feels like it's not a triple a game um but i really really like story based character based 
mind bending games. And I feel like a lot of the times that's only done by indie developers and indie games. So that's usually what I look for. Um, but at the same time, I know that if I want a little bit more of a polished game, I'm going to look for a triple A game, but that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of changed recently because at least indie games, when they're like, Hey, this is uh, early access. They'll just say it's early access. Whereas triple A games will now just be like, it's complete. Not. Yeah. So. Um, f for me, it's, it's, story and gameplay are like obviously key um i think with like triple a you get those like masterpiece titles like um the last of us the last of us 2 triple a titles they you know they spent years and years on those games and they're just they're just like a movie experience it's like going to the cinema to watch a comedy for me is just like a no-go because if i don't find it funny i'm wasting my fucking time um whereas like you know, I might pick it up on DVD later on, a bit cheaper in a sale, and I look at, at like, AAA and indies, like, I'll pick up a lot of indies on sale and just be like, I'll get them, you know, I'll try them. If they're not worth it, then I'll, I'll kind of pick them up. But, like, some AAA games I'm, like, really excited for. Like, last big one that I played was The Last of Us 2 before Linda died. And, um, yeah, just just kind of, like, it's just a really polished experience for me with like a triple a but then with an indie you can be playing indie games like a lot longer than you would like a triple a game that you like you look at darkest dungeon you can play put hours and hours and hours into that game yeah. and it's just it's just like so rewarding same with a lot of like roguelikes and stuff you know that you i end up playing more indie titles than i do triple a's but I'll, I'll have a really good one solid experience on a triple a that's how i kind of look at them anyway so, interestingly, um, I was just looking up as well, like, based just off the back of what Sarah said as well, like, what what defines a AAA game? Um, and so the, the definition of a AAA game, according to the internet, is a game that is distributed and produced by a mid-sized or major publisher typically therefore having higher development and marketing budgets than other tiers of games. So on that basis, from what I've just looked up, um, you're right in what you say, Sarah, in that Persona 5 doesn't actually fall into the AAA category. Atlas are just a very competent team. Um, right. They're not technically in line with what you would class as a major or a mid-sized and major publisher, although they do have quite a few employees, they're not up there in that like technical and budget level. Um, so if you were to look at, and sort of going off what you were saying as well, Mike, like the the major differences of what you, you're looking for in and what you kind of expect, hmm. because you'd if you're if if you look at that definition of a AAA game, then you you look at the things like was it GTA Five, Last of Us, for, um, God of War? I suppose Halo. They're they're the sort of games where you're going. Well, the expectation Call of them Duty. is to be Call yeah, of Duty. Call yeah, of Duty. They're, they're, the expectation is of them to be very highly polished, um, almost perfected 
titles that are that should should just absolutely wipe the floor because they have just got such a massive development team behind them with so much money behind them. Whereas, as you say, and although they may not necessarily have the best, I mean, look at Mass Effect Andromeda, for example. Cyberpunk. Um, te- <coughs> Cyberpunk. Technically, AAA, um, clearly not quite. Um, right. Whereas those indie titles, you're likely to get a lot of more long-term gameplay out of them, as, as you, you were just saying, Mike. Um, but yeah, it was, I just wanted to throw that in there because I I never actually thought about what the definition of a triple game triple A game actually is. Yeah, I guess so it's like, it's like down, it down to budget, isn't it? Money, cash, yeah. money, the budget and team. And interestingly, you because you could argue that, for example, like if we were to think about Pokemon, for example, um, you could argue that as a studio they are a studio that operates within AAA profits, but do they ever put, are they operating within AAA budgets? Do they put budgets into the Pokemon games that are of a AAA nature? Are they extremely high budgeted teams? And is Game Freak even a particularly big team? Because I I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know much about Game Freak on the studio level um, due to them being Japanese and not one that we necessarily hear the ins and outs of the company about. Um, and that that might give an idea as to sort of like, although it's that that's a massive game, is it is it truly a triple A game? Whereas you would never argue that, like Last of Us Two or or even Last of Us One or God of War, for example, are not triple A games. They are just they are the epiphany of what they are the exact kind of idea of what a triple A game is and should be. If that made sense. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me it's safer to gamble on an indie game being good than it is a triple A game being good because I feel like they might have triple A companies and th- those games they do have a bigger budget, but with a bigger budget comes more people, which comes more rules. So they can't really take all of their experiments into the game and take it to a different level whereas like you know we got we got lucky with the last of us series and because because it was such a good game they had the ability to take it to where they wanted it to go whereas there are some triple a games like you said like call of duty you know like they have a system that works and their budget just goes into making the same game look better Mm. yeah and I mean, not only is it safer, as you say, safer from a potential gameplay fun level, but it's one million percent safer in your wallet because with bigger budget comes more uh, a much tighter profit mo- profit margin, and therefore games need to be sold at a much higher price. Hence, why we've now got the PS5 games coming out at seventy pound as a starting price because those big AAA companies are obviously spending a lot more money whereas generally indie games now i i i've not played nearly as many as you guys but 10 to 15 pound tops most indie games if not less than that yeah Yeah, like 20 25 pounds something like that and i think i think that ties into the last podcast i was on we were talking about um the value for your money Mm. and like uh i was i played a lot of loop hero couple of months ago and i i put maybe like 100 hours into it and i got it for like 15 
but that's the thing. It's just these roguelikes. Not there's not a lot of AAAs that doing that are doing roguelike stuff. For but for people like Mike and I, we like those kinds of games where it's like I don't know how to explain it, but there's just some kind of satisfying feel you get from those roguelike type of things. Right. And for me personally, it's safer for me to invest in an indie game and it's nice to give money to those smaller developers like party hard was an indie game and then they made a second one and it was just as good and it's because of people like us who like indie games that put money into it and yeah i got even a hilarious game i think as well like if you put a triple a tile and an indie title next to each other like the indie title just has a charm about it that the triple a title doesn't necessarily have like it seems like there's more work gone into it somehow. Whereas, like, you know, if it's just one man, you're like, holy shit, like, Super Meat Boy was built by, like, I think, like, two people. Yeah. And you compare that to, like, I don't know, some, like, big-budget Mario game, you know, similar sort of, like, platforming or whatever, like Mario Maker. And Super Meat Boy just has this, like, charm about it that, like, a big-budget Nintendo game just doesn't have. Yeah, I, I think that really falls into, like, the... If, if you're an indie company and you're wanting to build a game, you're building it because you have a passion for it or there's just something you care about so much or a story you need to get across really bad. And there's just, to me, more heart and soul in an indie game. And that's the kind of stuff that I gravitate. Yeah, it's, it's like a little underdog story, isn't it? Like, you right. know, supporting the little guy kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, I just feel like certain indie games for me are just a little bit more deeper and there's more care that goes into it even though it might be a little buggy there's they they made it because that's what they wanted and that was their dream whereas like call of duty 20 they made it because it works and the system works yeah, and there's and nothing it, wrong it, with that it makes them more money to make yeah. a bigger game with more money there, like i said there's nothing wrong with that and i think that you know I know a lot of people that are obsessed with Call of Duty games, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's just not for me. That's what I mean about yeah. the, the charm of like an indie. It's like you know this this one man versus like this big software giant, and it's it's like right. I'm I'm happy to spend sixty pounds on a smaller indie title. Not that they they reach that amount usually; they usually a lot cheaper. But like I'm I'm no. more willing to to give my money to an indie over a a big budget title. And I was, I was just going to say, like, we just need to remember, and for the audience's sake, these are, we are talking about the two ends of the spectrum of gaming here. AAA being that top end and the indie, be, uh, like, top end of budgeted, not, not, no, I'm not talking about good and bad, but top end of, like, higher budget games, with indie being the bottom end of low budget games. Not saying the quality is any different, um, right. or that they're worse games, just that they're the budget-wise and the team-wise, they're two very opposite ends. Because then you do have that middle ground, which is where the likes of Persona 5 would sit. Um, and I'm sure there are other games that I cannot think of off the top of my head right now <laughs> that would sit in that middle ground, which is the AA standard, which is games that don't quite have the budget of a AAA. But then you wouldn't argue that Atlas is an indie studio, for example. They're, they're definitely not an indie studio, but they're also not a AAA studio. They're in that middle ground. 
Um, so this is just to clarify for our listeners, this is just looking at those, we're currently just talking about those two ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The, the very, very top quality games, those those ones that have been classed as AAA because they're being made by a AAA studio versus those indie titles being made by one, two, a team of five, a team of 20 developers in someone's basement. Um, just making as Sarah said making that game that they just dreamed of making so again so I just wanted to put some clarification on on that Um, so we've uh, I mean so we've heard about what what you guys sort of look for in them but what if you had to pick your best AAA and your best indie right now not of all time because I know that would be an impossible task but as of right now what would you say is your top AAA and your top indie at this moment in time? Ooh. Um, I could I could probably go go on this one. Um, the, the Last of Us Two is like my favorite game of all time. Um, just because it's a solid story, but that doesn't mean I'd I'd play it forever. I wouldn't play it over and over again. Um, I think it'd get quite boring quite quickly. But at the minute, I'm playing Curse of the Dead Gods. And I'm playing Slay Slay the Spire, and I'm playing those constantly because they are just continuously different and fun. And I know it's it's maybe like a different, two different genres, um, but I'd I'd pick, I'd pick triple uh, I'd pick um, indie over triple A, to play constantly. Over a long period of time, over one triple A, because I look yeah. at I look at a triple A like. Um, this one big, big hit in my wallet, and then it's a big, you know, I'll, I'll spend like a solid amount of time on it, and that, but then it'll be done, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I don't understand that. In the game like, for the uh, win, <laughs> and I and I'd agree with that. Before you go into your list, Sarah, like the I've always found that indies, just as you said earlier, tend to have a bit more replayability to them whether it be because it's a slightly more simplistic format or whether it be because they've just put more heart into building it, um, it tends to, they, in my opinion, it tends to be that there's a lot more replayability in an indie title than there is in most AAA titles, which are just a general start, middle, end, you're done, move think, on with your life. I think as well, when I, when, I, when I hear India, automatically go to like a roguelike or something like that that has that replayability, so... Obviously, like the two different genres of what I was talking about, Last of Us is a huge story-focused thing, and, and uh, Curse of the Dead Gods is just a a roguelike with like mm. infinite play replayability. So they're they're pretty different, but but yeah, I stick by playing indie games. <laughs> okay, so Sarah, what about yourself? What 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 is at the moment your top indie, your top AAA, and if you had to pick one, play for the rest of your life, which which would it be, indie or AAA? You know, first of all, I'm going to say, Shane, I'm very impressed because you, you, I was like totally prepared for this conversation until you brought up your top, top indie and top AAA. So kudos on that. Great interview skills. I like that. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) My, that's a great question. So I think I'm going to have to go. This is tough. I I think I'm going to have to go with Darkest Dungeon for my favorite indie of all time and I, I know you said that it doesn't have to be all time but i would go back and play darkest dungeon right now in 
I forget the mode, but God mode, whatever. Because I think I put like 500 hours into that game in a span of like five years or something. That game is just something else. Um, but for AAA, was was Bioshock AAA? I tried to Google it while Mike was talking, but I was also who who made it. I think it was 2K, right? I mean, if it was 2K, then I would say that they're they're definitely double A pushing triple uh, triple triple A. Let me have a look. Bioshock, uh, just the first one. Yeah. It's such a good game as well. I know. I'd I'd throw that all day at triple A just just because of like not in terms of like budget and stuff, but just the scope of the game itself and like how cinematic it is and stuff like that. Because yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Infinite was at least triple A. So I mean, it was it's made by Two K, a pretty big studio, um, yeah. and it was ported by like three other different studios to other consoles. So I'd say it was pretty pretty up there with regards to um a triple a title yeah i guess i guess i would have to go to go with bioshock for a favorite triple a i what i'm realizing with this conversation is that anything that feels cinematic in triple a is just badass like the last of us god of war um bioshock anything that feels and plays like a badass movie I'm seeing that I will go for triple A's in that regards, but so yeah. it it just to um, answer the question fully, it would definitely be classed as triple A. Its final budget was around twenty five million. Nice. Then yes, I would have to go with Bioshock for favorite triple A and Darkest Dungeon for favorite indie. And if I would, if I could only pick one, I would definitely go with indie because I have to. <laughs> <laughs> But I was I was struggling with Darkest Dungeon and Bastion. I I've played Bastion so many times that I don't know. Oh, I love that game. It's so good. Again, it's got the charm. It's got the charm of an indie and game. Braid. Isn't it? Yeah. So good. Just just going back to like, just re- reiterating my point, like um, that what you what you were saying as well, Sarah, about sort of AAA being this cinematic experience and being like, like I feel like. Um, a triple A is like going to watch Lord of the Rings in the cinema and like an indie is like watching The Office at home. They're like two yeah, very like different Napoleon, feelings. Like... Napoleon Dynamite at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Shane? Um, yeah, so firstly, just to clarify, so that 25 million is across the entire Bioshock series, not just Bioshock 1. Um, but I did, did do some more research and it is definitely a triple a game um secondly uh so for triple a it's a tough question right could choose wisely yeah it is, <laughs> it is a tough one are you gonna pick skyrim uh 100 not picking skyrim um i suppose if I'm trying to think of like what what triple A's have I played recently that I've really enjoyed? And I suppose that it's it's going to be one of the big Sony exclusives because they're sort of that. When I think triple A, as I said, as I was saying earlier, I think really highly polished. So like Spider Man or God of War, mm. um, it it would be one of those. 
I think I think I'd probably pick uh, if I had to pick any any of this like those titles, it'd probably be God of War. Um, I that's think a, that's like a big say, right there. Like yeah, that's it's it's got everything to me that is the hallmark of a AAA. It's super polished, super well written, and you can you can tell it's had a big budget go into it and a lot of time and a massive team to make that feel and play the way it does. Yeah, um, that's like that's like one of the very few AAA games that you could tell people cared about it when they made it. Yeah, it's, it's yes, it's a fantastic game. Um, and but for the indie side, so I don't play a lot of indies, um, but there is one indie that I've played a lot of, and that's probably Stardew Valley. Um, yeah, and I, that is a fantastic made indie and considering wasn't it all isn't it all made by like one guy yeah one guy um, i think he's hired a few more people now but um but yeah one guy. yeah when he first started out and it's and when that's what when i think about replayability i mean that game you can play that for ever endlessly yeah just <laughs> and that, just that, keep going as well that was a passion project like he loved um harvest moon but just didn't like the I way the way it worked and just wanted to make it better and he did so kudos to that guy yeah seriously yeah, definitely because i used to love playing harvest moon I, I love the harvest moon games they're great yeah they unfortunately seem to have got worse over the years though but um, <laughs> just yeah I, I mean for me that is that is like the when i think indie that's what i think of not because it's like that old school like 8-bit graphics and like that pixelated style um, but just the simplicity, simplicity of it all, um, and you just pick it up, play it. You can play it for ten hours, or you could play it for twenty minutes and still have just as much fun. Either way, you can't do that with a AAA game. Like you tend to have once you picked it up, you either have to like play through the bit you're in. Um, you can't just pick it up do something for five minutes then go back and put it back down again you can't yeah. you um, can't pick up and put down god of war can you <laughs> like no, if you're, you if you're playing exactly. that game you are fucking in that game <laughs> exactly but you could like say you could pick up stardew you could literally do a day in 10 minutes and then be like oh i've got to go make dinner now um or you could pick it up and just sit on it for like five hours solid mm. um but if you did that with most AAAs, you'd probably get close to completing them because, unfortunately, uh, the big games tend to have short stories. But um, although that has got better, um, we say that, and I feel actually in the last five years, we've had because God of War had quite a long story. The last of us like had a pretty hours. decent length, both thirty um, hours ish. Horizon had yeah. a pretty decent length. I think out of all of them, Spider-Man was probably one of the shortest, but didn't necessarily feel that short. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I would I would go with that. And if I had if I could only play one, I mean it would have to be it would have to be the indie. It has to be Stardew. I, I mean I love God of War, but there's only so many times I could play that before I just would hate it. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think I could ever hate Stardew Valley. I don't know, I, the farm will always need tending. Yeah. So, <laughs> there will always be animals to feed and crops to sell. So um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I could ever, there's never going to be a day where I wake up and go, I fucking hate doing this. Whereas 
if I was made to fight the guardian creature things in God of War every single day for the rest of my life after about day four, I'd probably want to um, snap my disc in half. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, th- I find I just, it. I... Sorry, go sorry, on, go sir. Ahead. I was just going to say, like, I find this this topic so interesting. Like, I know we said like we defined it as like the budget and stuff, but like, I don't know. I just think Indian AAA just feel differently. Like they play differently. They just have you know huge differences that i think it's like more than just the budget yeah and and uh, bear in mind like that was merely the definition like the definition taken from the internet like, yeah, yeah we all have our own personal definitions of what meets a triple a to our standards yeah um as i say like a lot of people i think would look at persona 5 and would argue that that's a triple a game by their standard whereas i think both me and sarah are in agreement that by our standard it isn't Right, it's a very, exactly. very good game, um, and it's 100% a double A, but it, I, I don't think it meets a triple A standard. Um, Persona 6 might do, mm. uh, having having them have, with them making so much money off of 5. But, um, yeah, I, it, I, we've all got our own personal sort of definitions of what... Also, when, is, what, when is Persona... It's totally off topic, but when is Persona 5 coming to Switch? Like, that just seems like the I, perfect I, fucking I, marriage. Well. But they've got they've got strikers on there, which seems really odd because that's like a sequel to it, isn't it? Yeah, but they they've already they've always introduced like a side game. Like there is like Q and Q two that they've introduced mm. on Nintendo systems. But I think um, the main game is always on PlayStation, and the side games are always on a Nintendo system. Uh, okay. I think it, it could really also bizarre. be down. It could also be down to tech. Because yeah. um, uh, Persona yeah. Five was built originally for the PS3, wasn't it? But it mm. was um, when it was first built, and I never played the PS3 version, but I've done a bit of research on it. So when that game first came out on the PS3, it was clunky as fuck, and it, uh, it had its issues. And it very much—I mean, Sarah, you've played a lot of the older Personas, so you know what I mean. In that, it wasn't particularly well polished with regards to its like technical or graphical ability like the story was still as polished as it as it has always been mm-hmm. but much like persona 4 it had its issues graphically it had its issues um here and there with like jumpy scenes um and then they it was right at the end of the ps3 life and then they tidied it up and cleaned it up for the ps4 um and then when it launched it launched on both but the ps4 version was the one that was given the limelight and the PS4 version obviously ran substantially better than the PS3 yeah. version. And that's why most people only ever know about the PS4 version because that was the one that was really pushed. And obviously since then, they've only increased and enhanced the game. Yeah. So I think taking it back to... Taking it down to the Switch's capabilities, which but is then, like high-end PS3, low-end PS4, would be a challenge. But then they have Doom Eternal on there. That's true. They, they do. <laughs> but again, but then we look at... And the cloud-based streaming thing that they're doing now as well with the high-end titles. We do. But then, again, look at the... When, when we go back to that AAA idea of the budget and the team, the budget and the team behind Doom compared to the budget and the team behind Atlas is yeah, yeah. very different pockets. Yeah, true. Um, I'm sure if... that the, the ID software team have got a lot more abilities and money behind them to, yeah, to do mean, that if persona 5 came out on switch i'm definitely getting it though so yeah. <laughs> hey guys if you want to make it you're gonna make double the money so please go ahead and do it <laughs> or 
Or just don't and bring us Persona 6 quicker. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Because, um, like, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, I, I just want to piggyback off of what Mike said. Because when, when we interrupt, interrupted each other, I was going to say exactly what you were going to say. Like, this topic to me is so interesting. And I, I really hope that a lot of people comment on this. Because I'm really curious as to what other people think. Yeah, I'm interested in what people's definition of a triple A versus an indie is. Yeah, and if if like are we weird for finding charm in it? You know, like I cuz I don't feel like I'm weird for finding charm in it, but I know some people that will only play Call of Duty games. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. And yeah, uh, Call, of Duty, Call of Duty and FIFA. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's for for the listeners, like that we that's what we want to know, like what what's your definition of a a triple a versus an indie and what come at us with your games like what is either right now or all time whichever is your preference your top triple a and your top indie and uh tell us what what you think and hopefully you'll be able to give us some some cool indies ideas to play because that's the big thing that i i struggle with when it comes to indie versus triple a is it's often obvious which triple a's to play because there's TV adverts. There's reviews. There's it, they're shoved in your face. You I, like God of War Ragnarok coming out. You can't take a step into any sort of like gaming website without hearing about it True. when it gets close <laughs> to it coming out. Most indie games don't get anywhere near the level of press coverage. Yeah. Um, if if any press coverage, and it's almost you, you have to stumble across them of your own accord. Yeah. Um, Unless it's something really special like. Like Stardew, um, for example. Stardew, yeah. Uh, Goose Game was another one. Oh, Fall, so yeah. Fall Guys as well. I'm sure that was a, a an indie team. And they just fucking took the world by storm. Yeah, haven't they been bought by Sony now, Mediatonic? Uh, maybe. Yeah, probably. I'm that sounds sure about right. They have. <laughs> the um, indie games that I've been playing recently are just uh, the games that Mike's been like, you'd like this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buy this. Exactly, and this, but that's the thing. Like indies, often they do well by word of mouth, as opposed to having huge advertising budgets yeah. that shove it. So yeah, yeah so uh, tell us what indies you've been playing and what indies we should play. Um, I know Sarah and Mike will go away and play them, and I might. Yeah, but they yeah, I'll, I'll go well. play them, and then the next time you guys have me on, I'll talk all about them. <laughs> all about them. All about them. Should we um, uh, should we crack on with the news? Yeah, so should we uh, come come to the towards the end of the episode? We've only got two news stories we wanted to raise this week. Um, the first one's a bit of a weird one, and uh, I know Mike, you've got a little bit to say on this as well. So, for those of you that have been following along, it's been going on for a long time now, but the uh, Apple and Epic court case has officially started. The, um, dun, dun, the actual dun. court hearing started. It was either today or yesterday. It started. Um, Mike, you, you actually stumbled across this recently. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at Twitch earlier today as we record this on Monday. Um, yeah, Monday, May the 3rd. And I was like, uh, the the Game Awards official stream was up. I was like, what is this? Is this some game news that I'm, I'm not unaware of? And I, like, I clicked on it and it was under the tag of Fortnite. So it was, it was tagged in the Fortnite um, stream list. And it was just it was just an audio of the court case just ongoing, and I just found it really weird that the Game Awards were were streaming it. I just found it like quite bizarre, but 
obviously people are interested in it, so here we are yeah, <laughs> talking so, about it. Well, yeah, so I, I've actually been reading up, following it along quite a bit, um, not just this, like the court case itself, but since the whole kind of, everything kind of happened with it. Um, and it's, it's some really interesting stuff. So the whole, whole court case is being constantly live updated online and you can listen into certain parts of it. Is that, um, is that like unheard of? Do you know what I mean? Is that, not, is that like been done before? What, the streaming of a case and like the, if it yeah. being, um, well, the, the recent George Floyd case was, um, was video shared and streamed to the world as well. And okay. a lot of it you could watch live. Yeah. Um, so it's not, I wouldn't say it's unheard of, but for a video game based court case of this nature, maybe. Because um, obviously that was a murder case and that's a, a, a lot higher profile. Yeah, yeah. But for something of this nature, maybe unheard of. I'm not 100%. Um, mm. But it's a, I mean, it's a bit, pretty big case with regards to the two of them. In terms um, of like money as well, yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, there were some figures were announced that Epic Fortnite only uh, on the iOS only provided Epic with something like 8% of their profits. So Epic really aren't, money-wise, they're really not losing much out by pulling Fortnite from the um, Apple yeah. Store. Um, so it's in, it, And it makes sense as to why they've gone up against Apple for this. And the, the big arguments kind of between the two for anybody who isn't aware or hasn't been following it is that Apple was saying, well, you know, you put things on our, on our store, on our devices, then you have to abide by our rules. And by not abiding by our rules, you are in breach of your contract and therefore we, we can pull you as we want. You're not allowed yeah. to do stuff that are in breach of us. Epic is ultimately saying that Apple has, and I don't disagree with this, Apple has not only created a monopoly over its um, customers, but they've done it in such a way that they now control their customers through their way that they handle their business. So what Epic are saying, and they're not wrong, is that Apple customers are forced to use products that are not necessarily the top products and don't necessarily, um, or not necessarily the best products or don't necessarily work well with products outside of the Apple program um, because of the way that Apple builds its phones and its devices. Yeah, so, you're, uh, you're buying into like the ecosystem, aren't you? Not exactly. The, the I mean, itself. The easiest one to talk about would be music, for example, is obviously iTunes. Is I, I hate iTunes with passion. Nobody can um, use iTunes, come on. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but when, when it first came along, like it was very much forced upon you that the only way you could use music on an iPhone was via iTunes. Yeah. When it sort of first came about. They've come away from that a little bit. But what Epic is saying is there's things that, like their iMessage app, um, is not available on other services and why isn't it available on other services and why do they lock their customers into this almost control monopoly and it's not and to be fair it's not just a push at apple it's a push at online how the online industry works all together um, mm. so this will have ramifications on microsoft sony um, the epic store itself uh, steam any digital store that deals with any form of digital currency or digital gaming this will have ramifications on because it could set new boundaries for how those stores need to operate legally 
Yeah. Uh, so it'll be, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes out and see what's happening with that. The other thing to mention from that and why I wanted to bring it up is that there's been some really interesting documents that have come out of it. So as part of it, uh, lots of documents have been disclosed that previously would never have been disclosed. And these are documents that are relevant to the court case and they are being disclosed not just by Apple and Epic, but by other other companies that are also inadvertently involved in this. Um, one of those documents, for example, was a document by Microsoft and it was an internal review by, their, by two of their internal team of The Last of Us 2 um, and it was basically them internally reviewing. And this is the first ever time that we've really actually got to see what someone Microsoft. internally thinks uh, a rival on a rival and their personal, their genuine internal views from an actual internal review. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, it was exactly as expected. Like, Last of Us 2 got a glowing review um, internally, and they picked up on all the flaws that anyone would pick up on that I think everybody agrees with essentially. And they picked up on all the masterpieces, like elements of it that were masterpieces. Mm. Um, but it, it it's interesting to look at those documents and see sort of what internal reviews companies are doing on each other and what they're looking at with each other. There's also a lot of documents that have been released on how store policies work, and a lot of documents again that would never have been released previously to the public. Um, on how how much profit is being made through um, digital digital games, how digital games operate, how the servers operate, all that sort of stuff is is coming out as part of these disclosures. So there's some really interesting information there. But again, as I say, this is highly likely going to change, or potentially change the way that digital games and the the policy and procedures behind digital games is going to work in the future. Yeah, so it's, it's it's interesting and maybe something to keep track of. But um, for now, for me personally, it's just one million dollar company versus another million dollar company. But oh yeah, it's not. It's, this <laughs> is, a lot of people were selling this as a David and Goliath situation, and that's not. It's no. a Goliath and a Goliath situation. Yeah. We're David watching. We are literally <laughs> like just the little ants watching two men scrap in a barbecue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got nothing more to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I so I live where Epic is, and according to their building, they're doing fine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I mean, so you know, Apple has its rules, and its rules are stupid. That's why I have an Android phone. There's just so much you can do with Apple products that I can't work with. So I have to use a lot of Android products to make sure the work that I do works. And of course, that's actually when I work. Um, and you know. Epic didn't follow the rules and they're upset about it. And so it's like, whatever. <laughs> that's my, fa that's my favorite thing about this though, is you didn't follow the rules. You got told off and you all upset about it. Right. That's literally a kid going in, like going up to another kid at school and throwing sand in their eyes, getting told off and being like, well, why am I getting told off? I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> right. I didn't put, I didn't put the sand there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how, like how many people are going to be upset that they can't play Fortnite on their iPads? Like I don't. Well, as I say, it's only eight percent of their profit came right. from, so not a lot, basically. Yeah, it, just, it just sounds like wah wah to me. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but it's but, funny to follow. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, 
the other the other piece of news we've got, and this piece, this is very interesting news, and there's not much to say on it right now, but it's worth mentioning, is that uh, PlayStation and Discord announced today or yesterday, the other day, that they are partnering for that, the future of PlayStation. I heard the word parenting, or I might have just read it wrong, but partnering, yeah. Partnering. I think it's partnering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, l- so, I mean, I literally just glanced at it like before coming to to do this. So, well, they have dyslexia is a real problem, and don't uh, be ashamed. Of <laughs> they haven't really specified much. All we know is that, um, or what they've really said is that they uh, they are partnering with Discord, um, and that the PlayStation social features will become part of potentially part of Discord moving forward, um, and that they hope to have all of it in place next year. Um, obviously, this is a, a huge bonus for PlayStation because Discord is now one of the most used, if not the most used, sort of like social platform for for gamers. To yeah, it's, it's where it's where I have most of my conversations. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're literally recording this podcast through <laughs> yeah. Discord yeah. at this moment <laughs> in time, so. I think this is great because I think communicating on PlayStation's stuff is just awful i know that a lot of the times when we play games on playstation we still use discord to talk instead of yeah, playstation a lot easier now and well, it would be pretty cool if like people didn't want to stream their gaming through twitch but maybe could stream through discord and play it on playstation you can talk on discord like that would be pretty cool that would be really cool and the other thing you've got to consider is we know that Microsoft and Sony have been more open in the last year or two to crossplay, and we've slowly been getting more games that are going crossplay. Um, Call of Duty, the uh, the fucking car one, Rocket League. Yeah, um, it, just, it just makes sense nowadays, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And Destiny's going crossplay um, in a couple of weeks, so. The way the systems are set up at the moment is the Xbox chat system and the PlayStation chat system cannot talk to each other. They they don't talk to each other, and you have to use the in-game chat systems, which, as we know, Mike, you've used the Call of Duty one. The in-game chat systems are never particularly that good. Oh, absolute um, garbage. They're, yeah, they're usually trash. So this could be PlayStation putting, its, putting the foot forward to set up some crossplay and build some bridges and for the fans and be like you know what look we know it's important to you so we're putting things in place to make crossplay easier for you so yeah. i really like that i don't know when i mean i'm not saying that is um, what's happening but it could be happening well i saw recently like a that xbox were looking to buy discord but maybe that was in like an april fools i can't, can't quite remember the date there was, oh there yeah was, that's right they were looking at like so a, many so many articles recently about things that Microsoft are going to buy and yeah. none of them have currently been true oh, like, yeah, yeah. there was an article recently that originally Sony was looking to buy Bethesda before Microsoft did and then there was another article saying that everyone wants to buy Square Enix and even Square put out a tweet to say no one's trying to buy us, where yeah. has this come from <laughs> like it's just at the moment people seem to be obsessed with the idea that Microsoft and Sony are just going to buy everyone yeah um, so yeah it doesn't i mean there's nothing to say they wouldn't buy it they've got the money but yeah like I don't, when don't i saw that it was like to it. xbox are buying discord for like 10 billion or something like that. i was like somebody needs to take xbox wallet away <laughs> like stop getting drunk at, at you know 2 a.m and ordering shit off amazon 
because I mean, if you were Phil Spencer uh, <laughs> yeah. and, you, and it was two a.m. and you were drunk, would you not just be like, "Yeah, I'll just buy Discord for ten million. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, why not? <laughs> I've think... got that money. Like, same day delivery. Think... Let's go. <laughs> I think Discord knows its worth and probably won't go for something like that. Yeah. No, but I mean, can you imagine waking up as Phil Spencer, hungover as fuck, the next day to look at your phone and <laughs> like looking just like all these new articles coming up? And you're being oh, like, yeah. oh fuck! So I've just I've just bought out Square Enix. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do something with that now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, but yeah. So that's uh, I mean that's some good news for PlayStation. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, what what I'd like to see is if if we could just have peace in our time if xbox playstation and nintendo could all just come together all pay some money to discord all of them partner on this one product so that all three consoles can all have discord embedded in them Hmm. and then the world would be perfect that would be so awesome console peace in our time and then the switch then would actually have a decent chat system yeah yeah, actually, uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, something to ponder on. Um, Mike, do you want to do the honours? Uh, yeah, so um, that was the episode. That's it. That's it from us. Um, we'll be back next week with another guest. Um, we're not sure you who yet because we're, we're shit at scheduling, apparently. I am shit at scheduling. Yeah, so hope you enjoyed the episode. Let us know about your AAAs and your indies. And just, you know, generally just, just let us know about the, the topics discussed, what you thought of the news, and that's it from us. Catch you next time. Goodbye. Triple X-D.